Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry, Toyota. Let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Live Podcast. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, alongside the Fantasy Hall of Famer Michael Fabiano and Graham Barfield. And, uh... Man, it was a it was a weekend and a half. Let me tell Bro, you. I'm like so emotionally like just exhausted <laughs> because you know you had the NFL draft and then I saw Avengers, which we won't talk about because you guys haven't seen it. And then right after I got out of the movie theater, went straight home, watched Game of Thrones, and at the end of the night, I was just like, wow, yes. that was a lot to yeah, take I in. Like, I feel like you should have separated those two. I, I couldn't wait anymore to see Avengers because like I. I I had all kinds of stuff going on. We had to work with the draft, and I couldn't wait any longer. Like, waiting until Sunday was long enough for me. How slammed were the th- was this theater? Oh, it was jammed. Yeah. Yeah, it was jammed. See, that's, I just want no part of that. I, and I'm and just, I had... I'm not a jam-packed theater. And, and of course, I had the, the misfortune of sitting next to the loudest a-hole in the whole theater sitting next to me. Anytime anything happened, oh, <laughs> I wanted to slap the guy. Yeah. But it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, I will. Uh, my plan is to check it out this week at some point. But uh, yeah, we will definitely talk some Game of Thrones because you know that's what we do on this podcast now, at least for the next what month. Mm-hmm. We only got what we only have three episodes left after this. The only thing that matters, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, also, there was a draft. <laughs> so we'll talk, about, <laughs> we'll talk oh, yeah. about that. Too. It was quite successful. Uh, there was a draft. We will talk about that as well. Uh, before we do that, though, of course, let's go behind the glass and talk to our faithful producer, who's back, Senior Edward L. Uh, Murphy Esquire. Welcome back uh, from Nashville, I'm, man. Uh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back, uh, not only because of the draft and a lot to talk about there, but obviously with Game of Thrones as well. So very, very good week to be back. A lot of content. I, I have to say that um, it was pretty funny to see your reaction to the Giants drafting oh, that? Daniel yeah. Jones. And then you <laughs> got a picture rounds. with him. Yeah, well, so, uh, we, settled, so, we settled all hash. And, you uh, did? Okay. It is, so. <laughs> it, that was, um, yeah, that, that's made the rounds. It, it was a, a shock. I thought, I thought uh, like everyone else, you have Josh Allen sitting there. You go, okay, we're going to get our edge rusher, 17, take your tackle. Um, I didn't believe the Daniel Jones smoke screen because they seemed pretty, you know, 
contend with Eli for another year at least, if not more. And uh, and then I hear it's funny the room we were in didn't have sound, but I hear Roger Goodell's voice, and he's uh, like Daniel Jones, you know, quarterback Duke, <laughs> and I just uh, I wanted to cry. <laughs> but uh, I, in fairness to Daniel, he's a, a super nice guy, and it's unfair for a kid that that young to be criticized the way he has been. I mean, he did nothing wrong; he just got drafted. So I'll, you know, they should take it easy on him, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I felt bad too because know. like so, you know, Francesa went on his rant in sure. the beginning of the show about how the Giants are garbage and they're, they're the laughing stock of the league now. But then he and then he had to interview Daniel Jones shortly thereafter. So that had to be a little bit awkward for the kid. Uh, do you think Francesa really, I mean, he just doesn't seem like like he, like he seems sort of Teflon to that sort of thing. Yeah, he's, yeah. I don't yeah. think he really, he really cares a whole lot. Um, normally, we do a news section, but pretty much this whole thing is news. So <laughs> there's really no point to separating it out. And since we're talking about quarterbacks, maybe... One of the bigger news items, maybe the biggest news item of day two, Josh Rosen finally gets traded. It had been rumored. It had been talked about. And it finally happened. The Miami Dolphins pulled the trigger. They bring in Josh Rosen. So finally, that that clears the deck completely for Kyler Murray in Arizona. And we've talked about Kyler plenty. So let's let's look at the other side of this now. Josh Rosen in Miami with a team that is clearly in the midst of a rebuilding process. I like Josh Rosen, Fabs. I think he's a really talented player. I think, at least for this year, he's in another crappy situation while yeah, the Dolphins try to figure out what they're doing. Yeah, imagine if this happens to the poor kid, right? So he's, the, he's a first-round pick last season. And then going into the very next season, the Cardinals pick Kyler Murray, number one overall. Rosen ends up getting traded to the Dolphins, where he'll have an opportunity to be the guy. And I, I get it that Ryan Fitzpatrick has to start games every single season, but I would think Rosen w- would be the guy there for the Dolphins. But imagine if the Dolphins stink again in 2019, and then they get the they number draft, one overall pick and they draft two next up. season. Right. They go after two. Up. I hope that doesn't happen to Josh. I just want to say real quick, just not even from a fantasy perspective, but just from real life, like Miami did an amazing job with this deal, right? I mean, it was originally rumored that they were going to trade a second round pick to the Cardinals. They ended up actually trading back, trading the lower end of the pick for Rosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, the Cardinals have already paid. Josh Rosen yep. for 2019. Yep. The the Dolphins are on on the hook for exactly zero point zero dollars in guaranteed money this year. Um, it, oh, it's, it's a good a, move. It's a fantastic job by mm-hmm. Chris Greer and the Dolphins. Basically, this is a no risk move, and it does not preclude them from taking a quarterback next year. So, Josh Rosen, fantasy wise, I just don't imagine he's getting drafted anywhere. Mm-mm. Yeah, you know, I, I guess maybe two QB league. I got him 29th at quarterback um, right now. <laughs> it's just, it's you know, again, I think he's a good player who has, you know, in back-to-back years ended up in bad situations. We'll see what happens down the road. You know, the Dolphins, like we said, are still sort of rebuilding this thing. They, they, they stripped it down to the studs, and they're going to try to build this thing back up. The rest of day two, though, we finally got all of the wide receivers and running backs that we had been hoping for. But even that took a little bit of time. I mean, I I was expecting more wide receivers earlier in the second round. We had to wait a while before we started getting quite a few of them. Uh, 11 wide receivers, six running backs taken on day two of the draft. Wrote out a few notables to kind of talk about here. And... One, the first one, A.J. Brown comes off the board to the Tennessee Titans, 19th pick of the second round. And the only thing I really thought about when I saw what the Titans did in the draft is there are no more excuses for 
Marcus, Marcus Mariota, Mariota at this point, right? I mean, they've got Corey Davis. They've got A.J. Brown. Delaney Walker is coming back off. Brought in Adam Humphreys. They brought in Adam Humphreys. They've got Derrick Henry in the backfield. Like, this is it. This is put up or shut up time for Marcus Mariota. And their offensive line is going to be hopefully healthy next season. Mm-hmm. They kind of fell apart last year. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill is going to – I mean, I don't know how much competition that will bring, but he brings competition to the table. Um, mm. The Titans – we say it every year, Marcus. You've you've talked about this. It's like we want to love the Titans every <laughs> single year, but there's just been no real way to invest in this team in fantasy. And I, I mean, now AJ Brown is here to to kind of take away targets from from Corey Davis, Adam Humphrey. This, this draft was like really fantasy unfriendly. Like there was a couple of nice fits, but overall, like think about it. Most of the running backs ended up in positions where they're going to have to compete, except for Josh Jacobs. I mean, we all like Miles Sanders, but Jordan Howard is there. Uh, We all like David Montgomery. Of course, Mike Davis is there, but I think Montgomery is going to be the guy there. A lot of the running backs and wide receivers, and you talk about, you know, A.J. Brown, how many targets is he really going to be able to to absorb as a rookie with all the mouths to feed in an offense that is probably going to end up being built around Derrick Henry? For for Dynasty, I'm still investing heavily. No, I'm talking about redraft. But for this season? Yes, it's bad. It's it's bad. I I, I mean. How many rookies are going to go in the top 50? One. That's it. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. That's it. That's probably it. That's it. Uh, Montgomery and, and Sanders will Likely end up being seventh, eighth round picks. I bet AJ Brown probably ends up in like the tenth round. Paris Campbell probably in the same range. Metcalf probably in the same range. But my yeah. my highest rated wide receiver right now is a guy no one was even talking about going into the draft, and that's Miguel Hardman. And we don't know what's going on with Tyree Kill. We sort of think we know what's going to happen with Tyree Kill, but we don't know. But it, <laughs> Everyone was talking about Metcalf and everyone was talking about Butler and they were talking about he dropped, by the way, too. And and the two Browns and this, now, this, this, this is the NFL, my friends. Let's, let's talk about that, though, because he was the next one on my list. Nicole Hardman, the guy from Georgia, goes mm-hmm. uh, second round to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, so you've got him second, but I'm guessing this is basically purely based on opportunity, right? I mean, yeah, it's, offense, man. And like, yeah, I'm so he is he is my number one wide receiver. Uh, amongst the rookies because I'm expecting that Tyreek Hill will no longer be playing football uh, and certainly not for the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I I would be shocked if he's not suspended for the season and that could be uh, coming here at some point soon. And if he is out, I mean, number one, we got to talk about the, the value of, of Mahomes without, without Tyreek Hill there. But if they drafted Hardman, and I believe they did, to come in, and he's kind of the insurance policy, and the guy is, you know, he's a speedster. He, he's not as talented as Tyree Kill, but he's kind of in that mold. Um, can also re- return kicks and punts. He he is he's going to end up being the first rookie receiver drafted across the board. See, I, has to be I in still, redraft. I still have Nikhil Harry. Higher. Yeah, I still think Nikhil yeah. Harry higher goes higher. Nah, I mean, I, just because, yeah, he's fast, but. Yeah, he's not. It's not. He's like, opportunities. He's not going to abs- absorb all those targets like that. You know, they, they still got Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. Uh, you know. <sighs> right. Exactly. I mean, like, no, but there's still guys. There's what I'm saying. I mean, they still got Damian. They, like, they can do other things I besides mean, just load up Miko Hardman with touches and, and targets. Right. Look, now. look, Miko Hardman caught 60 balls in college. 60. Mm-hmm. Never caught more than 35. Uh, he has four, three, three speed. The but wasn't that offense run based? The cheat. Georgia's run, I mean, Georgia last year threw it more, but the year prior, they were more run mm-hmm. based. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Miko Horman is not an elite producer. He ha- he's got the, the deep speed, but there's a lot to prove um, with the Chiefs. And I mean, Tyreek Hill, 
when people forget Tyree Kale as a rookie was not an excellent route runner. He was kind of more of a bit player. He has developed into an elite NFL route runner. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Miko Harmon is even close to Tyree Kale as a route runner. Um, I'm with you though, Fabs. He he skyrocketed way up my board. I'm doing top my top forty dynasty rankings right now, and Hardman I have is a late first round. Yeah, he's a first round pick. He is? Yeah, and he's gonna he's like a top five or six receiver for me right now. So I'm with you. He's he skyrocketed way up my board. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not. There's just there's so many cookies left to crumble, I guess, with the Chiefs and so much to talk about. Right. with Mahomes, we're not sure what's going on. Uh, with with Mahomes potentially without Hill, like you mentioned, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, Hardman I think was pretty easily the the, the biggest. I guess he was the biggest surprise of the draft. Biggest riser. For, for fantasy, at least. He was definitely the biggest No surprise. doubt about that, because we, we were not talking about him at all. We were talking about Nikhil Harry. We were talking about the Browns. We were talking about Metcalf. Metcalf fell. We were talking about Butler. He fell. Uh, fantasy Twitter was heartbroken. Uh, I saw that. that yeah. No one was drafting uh, Higgins Butler. But he ended up in a great spot, though. We'll talk about it. He did, um, although I don't know that he has redraft value. Um, but Hardman... In that offense, assuming Tyree Kill is not a part of that team in 2019, he's he's my number one wide receiver. Uh, so you mentioned DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. and he does fall. Goes the end of the second round to the Seattle Seahawks. The first thing, the only thing about it that really excited me is the one thing we know about Metcalf. He's got great straight line speed. He is a deep threat, and he is now paired with a guy who's really good at throwing the yep. deep ball. Yep. I love this fit. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this. His, his ultimate value will be determined once we find out what's going on with Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Because there have been reports that Doug Baldwin is going to be forced to retire because of injuries. I think regardless, for, for just this season, yeah, it's going to be dependent on Baldwin. But regardless, I think this is a very, very good landing spot for Metcalf. He's not going to be asked to be the alpha. I mean, Seattle has typically not had an alpha receiver. They've always kind of had you know two top targets for Wilson to go to. And like you mentioned, Marcus, I mean, it's just a perfect spot. DK Metcalf might only run three or four routes. That's fine. Mm-hmm. All three or four of those routes are what he's going to be asked to do and succeed on in Seattle. And I'm very, very interested for fantasy. I think he kind of profiles as like a Martavis Bryant. How player. do we feel if there's no Doug Baldwin? Well, he'll certainly move up my rookie wide receiver rank list. Right. But... I still don't see DK making an immediate fantasy impact. Like, I don't see a lot of rookies making an immediate fantasy impact. If, if Baldwin is gone, Seattle, I don't. They still run the ball I don't expect, much more than they're going to throw. I don't expect Seattle to come back and be able to run the ball 55% of the time. That's going to regress a little bit. They're not going to be able to control game scripts like that again. Still, they're only going to throw it 500, maybe 510 times at most. And if Metcalf sees 18% of those, he's going to be fantasy relevant, especially if a lot of those are deep targets. Um It'll be dependent on if, if Doug Baldwin comes back. But even if he doesn't come back at this point, guys, like he's he dealt with so many injuries last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's clear that he's not right. Um, right, right. We don't even know what type of player he would be if he does come back. Uh, next one, the one of the running backs of note in day two, Darrell Henderson from Memphis goes to the Rams early in the third round. And. I feel like we spent a lot of time so far this offseason trying to decipher what life is going to be like for Todd Gurley coming up in 2019. I feel like this gave us a glimpse as to what it might be, that that Todd Gurley maybe won't be the workhorse we have seen the past few years. And Graham, I know you have mentioned the number of touches that he has had. This just this just feels like more to fuel that argument about you know Todd Gurley falling to the mid part of the first round now. Think about it this way. They they used a second-round tender on Malcolm Brown, who uh, basically coming into the draft was just their number two running back as a depth player. Then they trade up 
They trade up the, the LA Rams with bottom three draft capital in this draft. They trade up for Darrell Henderson to, to 70 overall to, to select him. Um, again, a third round running back is not enough to take away uh, you know, Todd Gurley's role as a workhorse player. But given all of the other context surrounding Gurley, him not being able to get on the field in the postseason because of an arthritic knee, um, the potential for him to have stem cell um, uh, stem cell surgery, Malcolm Brown's resigning and now moving up in the draft for Henderson. There's a lot of red flags surrounding Todd Gurley this uh, this postseason. And I, I, right now, guys, I mean, is Gurley still a top five or six? Pick? I was I mean, ask, we I mean, come are, back to are you, are you are you doing top five? Fans? I still have him third. I'm not moving him yet. I'm not moving him again. I know people who know Todd and from everything that I've been told, he is fine. Uh, the addition of Henderson was in a, a complimentary role. Uh, not a guy who's going to come in and take a large number of carries uh, or touches from Gurley's plate. We heard Sean McVay say on the Rich Eisen show that Gurley's still the centerpiece of our offense. So until I start to see something different, which we're not going to see until we get into camps, uh, I'm keeping Gurley as three. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be one of the most debated things all offseason long because we just – I'm just going to tell you right now, like, I don't I don't trust what Sean McVay is saying in public. Neither do I. I just don't, you know. McVay gave us no reason to trust him after the postseason last year. When he kept saying, Gurley's right, Gurley's right, we, he's just, you know, whatever. We, we couldn't, we just couldn't get into the flow of running the ball, and that's no. why he didn't play. Like, it just, I just don't trust him. Yeah. So, you know. I, and that's why I think we need to wait. And I think that's we the need most. To wait until we see what's going on on the field. Right now, there's, well, right now there's six or seven running backs in the first round that you could make a logical other, argument for. Sure. The other, the other problem with waiting to see what happens on the field, if it's like last season, remember the Rams didn't play anybody mm-hmm. all preseason long. So, I mean, we they really are take, we are really taking a leap of faith, I think, going into this thing. And look, I know if I'm sitting at five or six and Todd Gurley's still there, I'm probably making that move. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it really is like, you know, we are we're trying to take the word of Sean McVay, and I will say that so far he hasn't been super. Not, yeah, if, if not he, that he owes us, not that he owes us anything, obviously, right. but he's right. not trustworthy. There right. are arguments to be made for other running backs going ahead of Gurley based on the situation. For it's sure, just it's a it's just a cataclysm of a bunch of minor little things that have added up into one big red flag for Gurley. This Excellent year. use of cataclysm, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, David Montgomery goes from Iowa State, stays in the Midwest, goes to the Chicago Bears at the 10th pick of the third round. And I think the most obvious statement is he slides in where Jordan Howard was in that offense, except or uh, Mike Davis was there for like two seconds. He's a he's a better <laughs> pass catcher than Jordan Howard was, which I think Sort of works in the Matt Nagy S- Significantly. He caught, 70, <laughs> he caught 71 balls in three years of college. Man. Mm-hmm. Like he, Jordan Howard's a zero in the past game. Um, the, the, I guess off the, just kind of like off the tarmac here, I don't expect David Montgomery to come out and catch 45, 50 balls like maybe no. Josh Jacobs has the potential to do just because Tariq Cohen is, I mean, Tariq Cohen's right. still a fantastic passing down player. Mm-hmm. But this was a great landing spot um, overall for Montgomery's uh, goal line and just overall carry potential. Here. Yeah, you got a feel for Mike Davis, though, because he came in thinking he would be the hammer uh, in I Chicago, said, and now dude. you're going to drop him to third on the depth chart. Who would you rather have? PPR leagues, because, well, that's the day and age that we're in right now. Would you rather have Cohen, or would you rather have Montgomery? Easily Montgomery. I'm not, I just rarely invest in those kind of bit-type players like Cohen, unless it's James White, and I know he can catch, like, 90 balls. I mean, I, I, I think it's pretty easily Montgomery. for. Yeah, me. I just... For me, it's, it's still Cohen and PPR. I just, I'm sort of torn on this one because I, I do think that they, they've, they've really gassed up Tariq Cohen about what they want to do with him. And I don't know that 
that he's really reached that yet. Tariq I'm not Co- sure. Tariq Cohen has been one of the least efficient running backs, just strictly running the ball on the ground for the last two years. He, I mean, he's five six and like 160, you know, soaking wet. Uh, David Montgomery is a hammer, 5'10", 220-pound back, who I expect to to immediately get uh, get goal line touches. I mean, Jordan Howard last year was a super inconsistent player for fantasy, but he scored nine touchdowns in the red zone on 34 carries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's significant, significant RB2 upside here for Montgomery in Chicago immediately, I think. I'm just looking. Drake Cohen had 170 touches last year. Um, yep. Jordan Howard had 270. Uh, you know, And I don't, I don't expect Montgomery to just walk in and get all 270. Right. Um, It'll be an interesting split. Mm-hmm. I, I, interesting I think split. My, I think the, the best projection right now would be Montgomery 250, Dariq Cohen like 130, and then Davis gets the rest. Maybe like 120. I, I, I can't see. That's that's a Oof. big drop for Cohen. Man, Mike Davis Mike Davis might be the monkey wrench in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, might, he might be the monkey wrench mm-hmm. in this whole, this whole operation, depending on how this thing goes. Uh, moving on to day three, not quite as many notables, uh, which – Really isn't a huge surprise, but a couple. Hakeem Butler, first pick of the third day going to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I'll say this because, you know, I've been the guy who's saying, look, I know Kyler Murray can be great. I just want them to invest in some skill position help. They did that. Yeah. They went out and they got some wide receivers. Hakeem Butler, you know, he's he's the guy that draft Twitter loved that maybe actual, you know, that actual NFL scouts didn't love quite as much. But he's a big body guy to give them a red zone target. Uh, which, you know, something that was kind of hit or miss there in Arizona. So there's, there is some at least upside. I think Butler is probably more of a, like, a I mean, best ball guy than he is any kind of, you know. Uh, redraft, I don't know that he has any value because, to me, right now, he's the fourth wide receiver yeah. on the depth chart. Yeah, Butler's. I mean, at best. I, I think for best, like, maybe only a 19th, 20th round pick in best ball right now. It's it's Kirk, it's Fitz, yep. it's Isabella, yep. and Butler. Mm-hmm. Um and don't forget about DJ in the backfields. So. Yeah, I I don't know if there's a logical way for Butler to be a full time player um, in this offense until Fitzgerald I mean, retires. Right. Butler is uh, sort of on the back burner. Right, but the fantasy football. Cardinals have really turned this thing around. Really, their offense fast. got better. Really, their offense fast. got better. They got a lot of talent there now. Yeah, uh, a lot the, of talent. The other one, Riley Ridley, goes to the Bears. Um, I guess he's most notable because he's Calvin Ridley's brother. Right. Um, I didn't really understand this pick, to be honest with you, because it's kind of a lowercase version of Anthony Miller, and they already, and they already have, have Anthony, Anthony Miller. I, I wonder if <laughs> right. it's adding another weapon for Trubisky, and you know, Allen Robinson has had his issues with injuries. Um, so you know, maybe maybe he's sort of a, a uh, you know an, an insurance policy. We'll see. Not likely to make much of a fantasy impact, though, that's for certain. All right. So there we go. Those are some of the notables from draft days two and three. Of course, we'll wait to go through OTAs and mini camps and all this other stuff and start to see how some of these rosters shake out and how the depth charts go. Uh, but, you know, it was it was interesting. I, I sort of laugh. I mean, I know it's part of the deal now that everybody has draft grades like the day after. And I'm like, really? Yeah, you know, it makes me laugh. I know it's, you know, content content is king, and that's what we all do here. But the, the guys who are giving draft grades, like, literally hours after the draft, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know. You never know. I'll also say, having, I'll say that having, you know, gone through the drafts from five years and ten years previous and uh, wondering what the draft grades were for certain teams after, the, after that draft and seeing how, like, especially was it the, the 2009 draft was awful. <laughs> just awful. And I'm sure a lot of teams got A's and B's and had awful, yeah, awful drafts yeah. in respect. Yeah. Um, but the one thing we can look at, because content is king, and we've got to do some projections of our own. The early winners and losers from this draft, the guys who may have been helped or hurt, depending on what their teams did. The first one is Todd Gurley, and we talked about it a little bit. Um, does he win? Does he lose? Does he sort of stay status quo? You know, because the Rams 
really are throwing up a lot of smoke signals right now. Yeah. Again, I'm not. I'm not moving him. Uh, I've got him at three. I think the worst he would fall for me is five. All right. I think that's fair. I mean, thinking about it more, like if I'm Marcus, put it well. If I'm on the clock at five or six, do I take Melvin Gordon over Todd Gurley? I don't know if I can do that. Maybe. I can take David Johnson over Todd Gurley, but that's an, that's a, that's uh, another that's know. another discussion wow. for another show. Man, I, that's a tough one because Melvin Gordon. I mean, look, they're both touchdown machines, yeah. which, I, which I think is the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's certainly close. Man. It's close. That's you know, and that that's going. To, you know, it's funny because we're going to have this argument all all summer long, right? About who your top five are, what order they're going to be in, and, and that sort of thing. And, and Todd Gurley is going to be maybe the biggest question mark in this top five group, I think, for a while. Uh, Jordan Howard, who looked like it was you know like he was all set up and he was going to you know maybe be a big part of what they're doing there in Philadelphia now, and then mm, not so much. Miles Sanders shows up. And suddenly there's a competition there because now you've got Sanders, you've got Howard, you still got Corey Clement there. Uh, It is a very crowded backfield in Philadelphia, but what looked like was going to be a big role for Jordan Howard might not be as big as we thought. So maybe he's taking a little bit of an L here. I've got Sanders ranked ahead of him at running back. Uh, He's a he's a more well-rounded back. And, you know, we like we know that Doug Peterson likes to use backfield committees. So I don't know that Sanders is going to be anything more than a flex starter. But this really hurts Jordan Howard's value. He went from going to Philadelphia where his value sort of, you know, maybe bubbled up a little bit to uh, now there's major question marks because Sanders was what, a second round pick. Mm -hmm. And the Eagles are certainly going to utilize him. A guy who uh, took over for Saquon Barkley at Penn State doesn't have a lot of tread on his tires. So. Could be a nice fit. At the very least, we know Miles Sanders can win on passing downs, and we know Jordan Howard cannot. Cannot. <laughs> cannot. That's, that's the very least. Yep. Uh, Mike Davis going to the Bears, and we talked a little bit about that, too. It looked like he was maybe set up for a decent-sized role, and then now here comes David Montgomery yeah. to uh, kind of take away from that as well. So now you've got, again, a three-headed right now on paper attack there in Chicago. But uh, I would think that, you know, with, with Montgomery there, who I really like, I like David Montgomery a lot. Me too. Uh, we know what Tariq Cohen can do. Suddenly Mike Davis looks like he might be the odd man. Out. I dropped him out of my top 60 running backs. I, I just don't see any upside with him right now. I mean, Montgomery is a, is a better back and they've got, they've got Cohen in the mix there. Of course, he's going to be uh, utilized prominently by Nagy. So Mike Davis goes from a guy who maybe could have been a, a pretty decent draft bargain to someone that, maybe barely is drafted now. I always found it kind of funny that the bear, that people thought the Bears were going to just roll into this season with Mike Davis, who averaged 3.7 yards per carry entire, <laughs> over his entire career. Yeah, um. I think what we were looking at was his success last season, but the Seattle ran the ball so successfully. They, and they ran the ball so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it may be a little bit harder for him to get that sort of opportunity uh, in Chicago when you've got so many other guys there. Damian Williams. Um the the Chiefs, obviously, we talked about them drafting Nicole Hardman and trying to figure out what that might mean potentially for uh, Tyreek uh, Hill. Yep. Um, they, they drafted a sixth-round running back in right. Darwin Thompson, Darwin and that's Thompson. it. I mean, Damian Williams is, seems like he's okay there. You've got your Fabs has his veteran winners and losers coming out. Damian Williams probably has to be one or two. Oh, oh right? he's, he's up there, yeah. certainly. Yep, because right now the only threat to him is Carlos Hyde, which you never know, but... To me, Damian Williams, and I get it. People are going to argue he didn't do anything in Miami. He's been a backup most of his career. 
sometimes you got to look at opportunities and just running backs go and play for Andy Reid and they succeed. And last year when he came in, this guy was averaging like 25 PPR points per game in that offense. I'm not saying he's going to do it again, but if you consider him to be the leader in the clubhouse in terms of backfield touches for the Chiefs going into the season, well, then he is at worst an RB2. Yeah, I'm kind of treating it in the same way because Carlos Hyde is such a zero in the pass game. Right. I mean, since he came out, Hyde is dead last in yards per target among mm-hmm. running backs. I mean, he's just been brutal yep. as a receiver. Yep. Um, Damon Williams is not. Uh, so at the very, <laughs> it's funny. It's that's the same dude. thing. It's the, it's the same argument. Is I want these guys who can actually play in the passing game. So if Williams only gets 12 to 15 carries per game, though he sees those five or six targets with the Chiefs, like we're still golden. The only the only dude that was able to make Carlos Hyde more valuable in PPR was Kyle Shanahan, and he force fed him the ball. I think he had 59 catches yeah. that one season. Yeah, but and that's he, not he Carlos like Hyde's strength. That, that is, is for certain. That is definitely not his game. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, and. I know after the first day, we were sorted down uh, on the, what happened with the, the Ravens draft. We're like, oh, hey, they drafted a receiver, and uh, that's not great. Marquise Brown's going there, and I don't know what we're going to do. They get Miles Boykin in the third round. They add Justice Hill in the backfield. They're putting some weapons around Lamar Jackson. And you got to think that, yes, I know they ran the ball a lot, but they're not going to invest two top three picks, basically, at wide receiver if they don't think they want to try to throw the ball more this year. And I just yeah. think it's it's a better move in getting Hollywood Brown in reality than it is in fantasy, and I think we talked about this last week, in that at least it's going to make defense is somewhat more honest because Marquise Brown is such a threat uh, in the vertical passing game. So that, I think that's why it helps Lamar Jackson, but the Ravens are going to run the ball. We know that. The Ravens draft, man, like they're putting some serious athletes on the field. Marquise Brown probably can run a 4 3 5 Miles Boykin's an athletic freak. They drafted Justice Hill running back out of uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. He, yeah. He's he's quick. Uh, we've seen, I mean, Mark Ingram's obviously a beast north-south. This is, look, I mean, like, Lamar Jackson's got a long way to go, but this personnel-wise, I really, I actually really like Baltimore's personnel. I, mean, I, I think, it, you know, Look, he's gonna he's he's going to get drafted simply because of his running ability. Um, I think the, I think for me the hype will end up being too much just because so many people are going to be in on the rushing of ability course. with Lamar. But I think his ability as a passer might I, I could see well, him taking a significant who, year two leap. Who do you like better, Kyler or Lamar Jackson? You're, you're faced with being able to draft one of those two. Who is it? I think I might take Lamar. Yeah, it's still, I mean, just I think it's still Lamar. Just because he's just because he's gotten a year to, to kind of watch NFL defenses come at him a little bit, and, um, and also because he's. I mean, as much as I love Kyler Murray as a scrambler, Lamar is one just like one cut ability, and it just. I mean, he's just so much faster. So yeah, I've got Kyler fever. Yeah, I love him. It's so close, but I have Kyler fever. I also. I mean, I, I think we can't underestimate for especially for Hollywood Brown, like his ability after the catch where he doesn't. I mean, he can take the top off the defense, but you don't necessarily have to hit him 40 yards down the field. Right. You can hit him underneath and he can turn something into a big play. I mean, you know, we've seen guys do that in the past and be successful with it. I mean, look, his his cousin is kind of good at doing that. So same sort of thing, too. So you know, th- that certainly helps. Kyle Rudolph. He takes a big fat L. I got to think the Vikings go out. <laughs> they go out and get Irv Smith. Uh, Rudolph, I believe, is in the final year of his contract there in Minnesota. So this just seems to suggest that they're, you know, the Vikings aren't going to try to extend him or keep him around. And I could certainly see a situation where as the year goes on, he sort of gets phased out if Irv Smith becomes the guy the Vikings think he can be. Uh, I just I just don't see any way that this isn't a loss for Kyle Rudolph. So so Rudolph is in the final year of his contract, right? Mm-hmm. 
You think the Patriots maybe like trade? You know, try to make a trade offer for him. I, I was thinking immediately once they they used a top fifty. I mean, they used the fiftieth overall pick on Irv Smith. So I, I immediately thought and pulled up Kyle Rudolph's contract, and mm-hmm. they can save nearly eight million dollars if they cut if he's off the roster before June mm-hmm. one. So if they trade him, they cut him, whatever the case may be. There, there's maybe an additional. That's cooking. like the first thing I thought of was like when they drafted him. I'm like, I wonder if they'll try to trade Rudolph, and the Patriots just jumped right to my mind as like, yeah, Austin Sperry and Jenkins. Eh. I'm, I'm with you. There's an. I think there might be another cookie left to crumble here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so probably not in Minnesota though. Not for, not for Kyle Rudolph <laughs> at least. Uh, Lashawn McCoy. One, he takes an L for apparently tweeting out Avengers spoilers. Um, but I don't, <laughs> hey, fo- I, I don't follow him, I, so I don't know. I didn't see. I just, I'm so I just saw happy people, I didn't see it. I just saw people angry about it. I didn't see the. He was trending thing. on Twitter. Like um, people were all pissed. So he obviously takes a big fat L for that. Uh, I think he also takes an L just because. You want to talk about convoluted, man. The Dude, Bills backfield right now. Somebody's got it. I don't know. Are what all four of those doing. guys on the roster? Honestly. I don't know what they're doing one, right now. One of backfield. one of Yeldon Gore McCoy is going to get cut. Uh, you, you would think so, right? They, ha- they have to. They got to. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they also went out and, and drafted Devin a running back. Dynasty alert. <laughs> in, the, in the third That's round. That's a dynasty alert. Uh, I just... I have no idea. You know, and I know a lot of people praise the Bills draft overall, that they went and they've got all these weapons and they're trying to help out uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of clarity of who gets the ball there, there is no. But see, th- this is why, and I mentioned this earlier, like this draft is just so bad for fantasy purposes in terms of redrafts, in terms of traditional fantasy football, because a lot of good players went to teams where they already had depth at that position, like the Eagles with Miles Sanders. Always oh, still like him. And, and this is another situation here. Devils, Devin Singletary goes to Buffalo. Really good dynasty stash. But in terms of redrafts, like, is he third? The third, maybe second guy that you draft off of Buffalo's roster? And honestly, I don't want any Bills running backs. I don't want any of them. None of them. If I'm going to draft a Bills running back this year, it'll be Singletary and that's it. Yeah, I mean, why, not, why not take the chance? Just take Singletary late, see if he pops. Take if he the doesn't. chance. If McCoy drops to like the eighth round, seventh, eighth round, no. Won't take him? I mean, I'll kick the tires. At that, at that point, point, right. At that I point, mean, I, I just don't want any of them. At that point, there's, there's I right. always love those seventh, eighth, eighth round receivers. There's got to be a receiver out there sure. that, that you like more probably. Yeah, more think. than likely. Uh, yeah, that, I just, I'm so, I'm still scratching my head over what Buffalo's doing there. Joe Flacco, who I was told is not only elite, but was entering his prime. So it obviously makes his sense. His prime of what? It obviously makes sense that the Broncos would go out and draft Drew Locke in the second round. Um, I, dude, this was such a John Elway. Like, you could see this move coming from a million miles away. Hey, I'm just thrilled Elway didn't use a first-round pick on him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, he actually did a good job. Getting <laughs> right. but yeah, at that Showed spot. restraint. Yeah. We waited until the second round. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, look, I, I still believe going into the season – Flacco is going to be the starter in Denver, but I also think he'll be looking over his shoulder, especially if the Look Broncos don't play well. Denver's offense. I said this on an earlier podcast, and now they added Drew Locke and Noah Fant. That offense has got some, too. some nice, young, dynasty-worthy talent. Some of it obviously will be uh, dependent on what happens with Emmanuel Sanders coming off of the injury. But like Corlin Sutton, you got Deshaun Hamilton, you got Fant, you got Lindsey, you got Freeman, and, and now you got Locke. That could be a, a pretty fantasy-friendly offense in a couple of seasons. Well, I mean, again, provided that the the, the quarterback is going to be the linchpin in this yeah. thing. You know, it's got to be either if it's Flacco, if it's Locke, whoever it is, if they can deliver the ball, everything's great. If they sure. struggle throwing the football, mm-hmm. then all bets are off at yep. that point. Yep. Uh, the last one, 
Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber. Like, who, yeah, who is it? Like, Barber was more of the quote unquote well, featured back. He was the featured back. Ronald Jones sucked last Ronald season. Jones could never get it together. But now, like, but like the, this was one of the teams that I'm like, there's no way they're not drafting a running back. There's no way. The fact that they didn't draft a running back says to me that Ronald Jones is getting another shot at this. Or they're going to sign Jay Ajayi or someone. I agree. I mean, I don't know. There was there was a blurb that came out um, a couple a couple weeks ago that the Ronald Jones impressed some of the coaches um, in March. We'll see, man. I mean, he literally had the worst, the stone worst rookie year. You could possibly <laughs> have. He, he literally could not. He did not get on the field in the preseason. Uh-uh. Liz Rogers was playing over him in the preseason. I, I, I would assume it's because he didn't know the playbook or just couldn't pass protect, whatever the case may be. There's some major red flags surrounding Ronald Jones. Um, I, I think people will expect Ronald Jones to get another shot, but I kind of just expect Peyton Barber to get another 220 meaningless carries and be. So in other words, free. Barber's the guy. I think so. The, the guy to draft. And I think, so. you know, sp- speaking of the Buccaneers, by the way, oh, Chris Godwin, man. Well, they did. They didn't do anything at wide receiver. We're, it's him and uh, Evans and the two tight ends. Oh, come that, on. They didn't that, need to. That might be the sneaky storyline here is the Bucs are going to throw the hell yes. the ball next yeah. year with Bruce. Yes. Yeah. No, the the. They didn't need to do anything at wide receiver. I think they were set at that position. But, I mean, behind him, they got Perriman, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, they lost Humphrey, so they I can, thought they would be, you know, they, they would can, do a little something. They can find some camp bodies to bring in, work some guys out. But I, I didn't think they needed to spend in draft capital. Arians and Jameis are going to throw – they were going to air the ball out. They drafted Great. Scott Miller in the uh, sixth round out of Bowling Green. I mean – That's what, it. What, Last year, Winston and Fitzpatrick combined were the QB one over Mahomes. <laughs> over <Yeah>. Mahomes. <laughs> now you add Bruce Arians, who's <laughs> so, like who's the air the original air raid quarterback, so, or air raid coach. So there you go. So anyway, those are some of our winners and losers. By the way, um, we should probably mention there will be a fantasy live show coming to your television Tuesday tomorrow. 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 So we'll do a little uh, draft recap and, and kind of get you ready for the season. So you can find that on NFL Network. Check your local listings. Uh, I'm sure it will replay multiple times. It will also be on the interwebs. So you can find it there as well. There you go. You know, it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. Trains are often going a lot faster than you expect them to be, and they can't stop. So even if the engineer hits the brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. By that time, what used to be your car is just a crushed hunk of metal, and what used to be you, well... Don't want to think about that. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop even if it sees you, and the result is disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop, because trains can't. All right. Now for the important part. (laughs) Game of Thrones Episode 3. You know, they didn't release the title of the episode until after it had aired. Really? Yes. Huh. Um, and what was the title? A the Long, long Night. night. Yeah. The Long Night. They didn't, they, in fact, because I, so as I watched it, my stupid cable started to kind of glitch and freeze. Now, mind you, I got to see all the important parts, but it was kind of that last, you know, Daenerys crying and, and Melisandre like walking out and collapsing in the snow. It kind of stuttered and paused. So I had to go back and watch it on HBO Go, uh, in which, like, at that point, it hadn't even been posted. The title hadn't been posted on HBO Go. It just said Game of Thrones Episode 70. That's all. Huh. And so it wasn't until later that they, they named it The Long Night. But I woke up this morning and thought, this will be, this obviously goes down in history as one of the greatest episodes of television ever for a series. 
But I think what makes this maybe better than anything else, like, you know, I was thinking, you know, like, who shot JR in Dallas? Because I was a kid for that. Who shot Mr. Burns on The Simpsons? Like, all these great episodes of television came during times when there just weren't, like, the 500 channel universe didn't exist. So, yeah. like, you only had so many things you could watch. That's a good point. This is a situation where you have so many other options. And so many people were watching and invested in this 82 minutes of television that it just really. It was, I think, almost historic how much people kind of sat and watched this thing. Did you see the video? I think it was uh, tweeted out by Barstool of people at a bar, and they had a big screen going on. And when, sorry, guys, stop Spoiler listening. Spoiler alert. If you haven't You should know watched, this by now. We've been doing this for a few weeks. When Arya killed the Night King, like, the crowd erupted. Such a good meme. As if it was <laughs> a Super Bowl championship had just been decided. I mean, I saw Arian Foster uh, tweeted out it, it, the security cam in his house caught them watching it. And, like, everybody's house jumped up from the couch. It right. just, like, stood in front of the television. Even the dog comes, like, running by mm-hmm. at some point. I, I by the way, good job, Jets. Uh they, they've signed undrafted free agent Arya Stark. Yeah. That was, Hashtag take that, flight. That was like fantastic. It's good. Uh, I'll admit when, when Arya killed the, the Night King in the way that she did, um, I, I literally was speechless for Salt Lake. I literally could not form <laughs> so five, five to ten minutes afterwards. But, I mean, it, she's my favorite character in the show and, and the way that they kind of built the story that she was – I mean, she was obviously a humongous part of the final that, that episode, um, and she's such a – badass warrior but mm-hmm. the way that we kind of forgot about her for almost 30 minutes there mm-hmm. she just like kind of ran away from lady melisandre in that final scene and then just comes out of nowhere it really was i mean i, I always think we kind of all knew uh eddie can correct me if we're wrong that that Arya would be the one to kill the night king um i think that was probably the most popular take but the way that they did it was just so so good well the writers of the show knew that she was going to do it for the last three years they said that after they I said caught that, that and that's why they, they created that whole um thing with her and melisandre and, yeah. and like the whole reason why she trained away from the night king's vision to become a faceless man or a faceless woman and to to pull that off uh my whole thing is just that like why are you resurrecting john then if he's not the one to do it when the show is really based around him um I think the episode was fun. I I enjoyed it in the moment, but I think if you like sleep on it and think about stuff that's a little bit, it would have been different in my view if I had a, a hand in making that story. I wouldn't have done it a certain way. Like there were less deaths than I wish. Um, I'm not sure just what's really next because like you have this looming threat that Johnson saying is more important than any other of the throne. So in a weird way, they make you kind of not care about who was sitting on the throne. It's just about this battle. And then it's just like over with. So now I'm just trying to process it. Maybe three episodes from now, we look back and go, okay, this all makes sense. But right now I'm still kind of just like, I'm jumbled in my head. I, I will say this is, I, I did compare this in my head to the 1980 U S Olympic hockey team in the sense that, Remember, when they beat the Russians, that wasn't the gold medal right. game, right? They had to go and beat Czechoslovakia to win the gold medal. This felt like, this felt like the U.S. beating the Russians, right? Like, it just seemed inevitable that mm-hmm. the Night King and the Army of the Dead were going to come through and just kill. You know, even when Brand's saying stuff the episode before, like, what if there isn't an afterwards? You know, like, mm-hmm. you just thought they were going to come through. So now they win, and you are sort of like, all right, well, they beat a bunch of dead people. Like, now they're going to they're fight the living. Right. Were, this, isn't near, <laughs> this isn't nearly as intimidating right now. Yeah. I, I, Cersei's... She's got something up her sleeve. Cersei's got something up her sleeve. And she was the smartest one sitting this out and just saying, you just kill half. That's a great kill. point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just literally kill 80% of the population. She was right all along. She yeah. was right all along. Yeah. Cersei's, Cersei's vindictive and evil, but in a lot of ways, she is a mastermind. Well, it serves and her right. It serves her well. 
yeah, it's served her extremely well. Yeah, as a viewer, and I talked to Eddie about this earlier, it was hard to watch the first 45 minutes because I couldn't see a lot of what was going on like when the Dragons... I couldn't see, so I have to go back. I'm going to watch it again at some point, maybe today or, or, or tomorrow, and, and maybe, like, I don't know, change the, the settings on my television a little brighter. Brightness all the way up. So, it was so hard to see, uh, and I saw a lot of people complaining about that on social media. Obviously, that didn't ruin what was an amazing uh, an amazing storyline and an amazing episode. I know that I, I would have liked to have seen... Uh, Jon Snow and the Night King sort of get it on, have a little sword fight there. And um, but I, I wasn't I wasn't disappointed to see that Arya uh, sure. was the one who who ultimately uh, destroyed him. Is the Night King playing behind the worst offensive line in the league? <laughs> I know, it's right? It's funny because the key and to go to attach that to what Fab just said too is like every time we see him, he always has those group of the the White Walkers around mm -hmm. him. Like he created those guys to be his protection. He does not want one-on-one -on -one battle with John. He's uh, he's avoided. He avoided it hard home. He avoided it last he, night. He does, not want, he does not want that smoke. No, he does not. He, like, <laughs> he He's there to just use everything else in his powers to let them kill everything. Like his sole mission to, and this is for people who are saying, I want to know the Night King's backstory. It's like, well, they gave it to you in season six. Like they, he was created by the children of the forest and his mission is to just wipe out humanity. Like that's, that's really it. Right. He doesn't speak. He's not going to speak. He never was going to speak mm -hmm. so like i think it was fine the way they they took I him agree. out and like how his story ended that's 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 fine by me um i th i think i'm still kind of uh confused by like the abruptness of it and how it's just like okay it's over with and like again, yeah we'll no see exactly next, i don't like but... that either like yeah that, that was one thing i was like okay this guy was like the main villain for you know ever with this this has been coming he's been coming it's right. going to be the end of humanity and then i don't know i don't know that i think now sir i think all they're trying to push to kind of what what uh Graham was saying is that yeah. cersei is the right now it's right right so, so yeah, now so it's going to go is all the game of thrones it's not a, it's not the book series called the song of ice see and that fire. that's my thing is cersei's always been the enemy correct always yeah. she's always been the enemy the night king like you mentioned was never supposed to be a figurehead mm -hmm. he was just i mean what, do, what would be the best way to even describe him as is like I don't know. It's just like he's an obstacle. I mean, he really yeah. he's he's an obstacle, and and he's he is sort of the thing. He's the bloodletting that kind of gives Cersei at least a supposed advantage, right? In the end, um, you know, I, I will say this: I I was a little bit surprised. I thought we would lose more characters than I we did, did too. I, I did too. I, I want to say about that real quick. Don't don't keep your hopes up, man. Like this show, I know recently that the writing has been a little more. Disney style, I think people would have described it as, or you know, a little more Marvel movie esque. But this is a dark show, and it's going to have a dark end. Oh yeah, no, no. I still think we're going to lose some folks. I right. just thought we would lose more. I thought, yeah, last you didn't night. like. I mean, you lose Theon, you lose Jorah. I mean, eh, okay, like there was a couple of times that you thought Sam was a goner. You thought a couple of times that Jamie and, and Brianna were were goners, and then and ultimately they weren't. So, but I, I'm still under the impression, and I. I Eddie, I think it's either going to be Jamie killing Cersei or, as you mentioned, Arya disguised as Jamie killing Cersei. That will be what, what we see. And then I wasn't surprised the Hound didn't die because ultimately I want to see, and I think the fans want to see brother. him face his brother. I still want Clegane Bowl. I think that's definitely happening. Got to get Clegane that's Bowl. That's definitely happening. Has to. It, Has would, to. it would make me feel weird, though, if more main characters died at the hands of, well, ultimately Cersei, but the, at the hands of like either Euron's army or the Golden Company versus like the you know the, the, army, of the, the, dead. the army of the Dead and the White mm -hmm. Walkers and the Night King himself and the Night King's dragon that is like the Ice Dragon. Now, like that to me is weird because I could you could definitely see it. Like, I thought it would be cool if there's a battle of of White Walker lining up against the Hound, White Walker lining up against Tormund, White Walker lining against Jamie, like, like Brienne, mm -hmm. and like have your best 
battlers facing like the Night King's top guys because those are essentially his like generals, his army generals. That would have been a cool kind of scene. I guess it's more of a fan service type of thing. Yeah. But so when when we go down to King's Landing, and, and and this is all if if they go to King's Landing and they just die in battle versus humans, you're gonna be like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I kind of felt bad for the Dothraki. They just threw those guys out. And that was the end of them. You know, hey, uh, yeah, you guys go ahead. <laughs> they pretty yeah, much were. Yeah. We'll say here, here. We'll light all your sickles on fire. That'll help. They were pretty nope. much just cannon fodder, essentially, they, is what they were. They're in this so, uh, their style of battle, too. They're meant to fight in open field stuff. Like, that's what the... the yeah. In, in reality, it kind of makes sense back, why they did that, but... Like, back, back in season one, Robert Baratheon was like, I would never want to face the Dothraki in an open field, and right. the, 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 the dead just kind of silenced them in 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was sort of amazing, watching, like, you know, the, the swords light up, and they all rush out there, and then just so very, awesome. very that quickly, was that was the lights favorite, just yeah. go out. One of my favorite parts of this. Um, can we also talk about the fact that like Daenerys Targaryen is the head coach that has a ton of talent and has no idea what to do with it. Like they're just flying around blindly. They didn't the use the dragons well. <laughs> I feel like they could have had a better strategy with the dragons. I, I agree with that. What I the, mean, the Night King bringing winter, like we always say winter is coming is the most famous words of the whole show. And that mm -hmm. actually does come and ruins their kind of plan of just, we're just going to swing back and forth and light them all on fire <laughs> and it would be over in five minutes. I'm like, this is not going to last. And winter <laughs> actually comes and I'm like, Oh, it's here. It's not just a metaphor. It actually exists. Right. And then they can't see. And then, yeah, you're right. It's like all hell breaks loose. And they're like, well, what are we doing? They're like just spinning up in the clouds. And then out of nowhere comes the, the ice dragon. And it's just like, yeah, but I do give Danny credit for actually wielding a sword. Yeah, she did. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah. she gets a couple. I'm, I'm not the biggest Danny fan, but I'm, I want to give her a couple points now for that performance. Uh, like as she's fighting when Jorah's uh, kind of mm -hmm. going down there. That yep. was cool. Yeah, no, I, I, because I thought, I thought it was a wrap for her once she went down, and I, even though Jorah kind of picked her up, I thought it was a wrap for that her. That would have been something else. I, I did think that Danny would die in that episode. That would have been crazy if she died in the third episode because of the army. That would have, that I would have, my tune would have been totally different if she went down that episode. Hmm. Yeah, because mm -hmm. if if it's at the hands of. Like you kind of get the Night King, but she, it balances out with her. The, the writers, so it's the writers, sort of had you, you know, on, on the edge of a sword because there were so many times when so many characters that are so beloved look like they were goners, mm -hmm. and Danny was one of them, and then ultimately they weren't. Um, I, I, I like the ending for Theon. I, I think he basically, yeah, you know, he, he redeems he redeems himself. He got some redemption. Well, I mean, I, I mean, it was the, he he was never really the best warrior. Right, like Theon He's was just never. Fine. No, he was never. He, 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 right, but I mean, he was the last guy standing against the damn, yeah. you know, uh, the, the dead. Yeah, to help ran out, and that was, again, uh, the and, and he had enough. He had enough cojones to, you know, charge go ahead him. and charge the damn Night King. But so. again, the Night King waited. He had no more arrows. He's like, now is my time to raise the dead. I'm going to come to him one on one. He does not do one on one battle. I mean, what Theon did was probably dumb he just snapped his you know his spear in half and just right done was, away with it him. was but, reckless but it was it was very, very <laughs> right. it was not well thought um but while bran just sits there don't even like face night king he was sitting sideways and just like turned his head to look at him because well, he knows what I'm everything is tired going. of bran like no, i don't know he, he's he annoying knows, me he knows what's happening bran though. bran is he's the like the puppet hand he's just leading people to the place they need to be mm -hmm. he knew Arya was the one exactly. that was going to kill the night king he just set this all up i'm going to be the trap Arya's going to know what to do. Right, he was a big decoy, which is exactly. insane. And mm -hmm. and for those people who want the Night King to potentially come back, 
I'll throw a couple crazy theories that Brand may be the link. To, he may be the Night King. People bring I mean, that he, up. He did kind of take off for a good part of the episode. He's right. like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go now. We're going to see. <laughs> what, just we're we're going to see that what was a he was great doing. Impersonation, by the way. I'm going to go. And for for the <laughs> how long was the episode, Eddie? It was 80, like 80, 82, 82 minutes. 80, 82, 84. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. that is the least amount of dialogue in a television show that lasted that long. There was very little talking in that episode. No, yeah. It was all. It was a lot of screaming. Really the battle. most important dialogue, well, the most important scene in terms of not battle stuff was Bran warging into the Ravens because we have to see what he was up to. What right. is he doing? Mm-hmm. So is he maybe... We don't know that yet. Because there was a teaser... Um, if you know, if you remember when the show was just before it even came out, there's a teaser of them, uh, of all the Starks in the crypts, mm-hmm. but, but not Bran. So right. it was, it was Arya, it was Sansa, and it was uh, and John, and they're standing in the crypts, and they see, you know, Winter coming through the the crypts, and they grab their swords and stuff, and Bran's not there. So it's like, okay, is Bran up to something else? Is he? A version of the Night King, or is he the next one, or is there something that's going to happen? Is Kyburn Cersei's, uh, I don't know what to call it, Maester, is he going to create the Night King again? Like, bring he brought back the mountain. Is there something crazy going to happen? I'm not sure, but if you want to buy into those theories, I'm not going to say they're wrong because we do have, you know, about four hours plus of content left. Right. Uh, one, I'll say this the Night King made the same mistake that like every James Bond villain does, right? Like, you've got Bran dead to rights. And you are taking your slow-ass pimp time <laughs> to pull out your sword or whatever, and then that's when Arya shows up. I, like, just, it really, I felt like, it was like it was like a Scott Evil moment. Like, I got a gun in my room, I'll go get it. You know, it just, you watch this whole thing happen. So, uh, the other part is, does this change, does this, any of this change who you guys think is going to end up on the Iron Throne? 100% for me, it does. My pick was Sansa. I think now that I just question what is John's purpose, what's John's role, um, like I've said before, the books are called The Song of Ice and Fire. It's about John George R. R. Martin's character. The show it's based about him. Mm-hmm. The show's a little bit different. He is not the the Lord of Light of the Prince that was promised. Like the prophecy has nothing to do with John. It was just a Mel- Melisandre's way of getting Arya and John in position to kill the Night King and to to end the. I long think we've night. all kind of thought that in the end it would be John. I think I didn't. I thought that he was just the reluctant leader. I, I think his best case scenario, he was just loved to be up like Warden of the North, like just to stay in Winterfell and just be done with the the crown. Mm-hmm. But and I thought Sansa would be the one who's queen because she wants that. But now, so now Danny's like out. Like you, I think you so. don't think she's. I okay. think I will because like, not John, the leader. Well, John has a better claim now that he's Aegon Targaryen. We start start calling him Aegon, but now that he has this claim, and so why was he resurrected? Well, you know, why was he the one that's had the the been the leader before? Like, and wanted to go head to head versus the Night King. It's like, well, what's his purpose? And I think his purpose ultimately now is to be the reluctant king of the Seven Kingdoms. I think mm-hmm. so. I think he's I, now my pick. Yeah, I, I I agree with pretty much everything Eddie just said about John. I mean. I don't know, man. I still he's important for a reason. Like, even, maybe not as important as he is in the books to George, but he's he has to be a big figure somehow. And Cersei's got no shot. Cersei's right? out. Cersei's I don't out. Think she she's out. She's gonna go. She's gonna go down swinging. <clears throat> yeah, most definitely. But she's not gonna. I don't think she's. I can see win. a situation where you know both Danny and John die kind of in the final battle, and Sansa just walks right in, sits on the throne. Could be. Could you never know, man. This is. It's gonna be wild. It's these, gonna be wild. These next four episodes. Are so, I, I think, so like, excited. once that last episode is done, we need to just dedicate one podcast <laughs> to Game of Thrones. Ooh. At that point, how much football is there gonna be to talk about? True. I, I'm, I'm with, and I, I, I'm looking forward to the last episode uh, just to because I think it'll make this one 
a lot better in people's eyes who are criticizing because I think it'll all make sense. You're like, okay, now I get it. See, that was my thing with the first episode. A lot of people complained after the first, and I was just like, I guarantee you we're going to look back at this at the end of it and be like, I'm so glad that they had all these characters in one place, kind of all their storylines unraveling and and, and entwining and all these characters are meeting for the first time. We're going to look back on that, and it's going to be excellent. It had to be done because the second episode, essentially no plots are advanced. It was just just, dialogue. This is like, hey, let's just just hang out with our friends one last time. Yeah, (laughs) because it was the last normal episode. Now you're living in this like post uh you know apocalyptic you know undead world so like the first episode they had a they had to rush the plot along and start setting up stuff so i i totally agree with you like at the end you're like oh it actually was fine it made sense in the, the grand scheme of things yep. so there you go entertainment ah. reporting that game of thrones uh becomes the most tweeted about oh, yeah. tv episode of all time can't imagine anything about that? else that, not a surprise mm-hmm. at all so all right we got a few more weeks of this it's going to be fun. Tell you that, tell you that for sure. All right, that's it. We are done. Appreciate you always as listening. Another reminder, NFL Fantasy Live will be on on Tuesday on NFL Network, also on NFL.com, so you can catch it there. We are going to go until next week. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, dance like no one's watching because they're probably all on their phones. See you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places.